Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. So uh, we're going on to our second week of our series, um, which is called Father Issues. No one has any of those, right? Um, And it's complex men, complex legacies. And last week we started, kicked off the series of Pastor Carl talking about uh, William Seymour and how he uh, brought the baptism of the Spirit into the forefront of the Church of Jesus Christ. And if you spent any amount of time in Revival Life, you know we are about that action. So I'm very thankful for him and that he gave us a value and a hunger for the, for the spirit baptism. And it's changed many, many lives in this room. Um, so we're just continuing to find out whose shoulders we stand on as believers at Revival Life, as uh, charismatic Christians in today's day and age. And another one of these men is who we're talking about today. That is Martin Luther. Um, and he has been dead for a long time. He went from 1483 to 1546. This is uh, many, many years ago, but it absolutely shaped uh, who we are as Christians, who we are as followers of Jesus today, and how we apply that to our lives. And I want to jump into that here. So um, when we really focus on Martin Luther, the the thing he did that was so incredible is that he was a, a church father in the sense of looked in his Bible when things didn't seem right in the church, when things didn't seem right in his own heart, and said, I need, to, I need to find a solution. I need to find the truth about what I'm seeing. Because what I'm seeing doesn't look like truth to me. And how many of you know it's important when what you're seeing doesn't look like truth that you need to find it in God, what the truth is? Because, you know, the Bible says, um, you know, when we find the truth, the truth will set us free. Amen? Amen? And Luther sought his freedom in the word of God, and he found it. And he found it for you and I, and he found it for many people. Um, his main thing that he landed on, which I'm talking about in much more detail later, is by grace through faith we are saved. And that literally upended the church he was a part of. He was in the Catholic church, and they were taking lots of money for people's condemnation and uh, doing some, some kind of shady stuff as we know it today. And um, he destroyed that institution with this truth from God. Because people no longer needed to play their ungodly games in order to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. So we're going to jump into that now. Luther was a, a monk and he was born in Germany, in Erfurt. It's kind of the south central part of Germany. Um, and <laughs> he, he was expected uh, to be a lawyer like his father. How many of you guys know that uh, some of your dads got plans for you, right? And uh, some of those plans are good, and sometimes God changes the game and someone does something else. Um, Luther's family had been attorneys. He was expected to do so, and he um, was on his way to doing it. He was actually taking a journey one day on a horse and carriage, and he got caught in a thunderstorm. And history doesn't know exactly why, but he um, was gripped with an irrational fear in a sense that, uh, you know, his life could end because of the weather. So uh, I was surprised to find out he wasn't a Floridian, because I, many of you know, when it's rain on 95, I too am gripped with an irrational fear that my life could end. Um, so especially the further south you go, right? Um, so anyways, uh, Luther had his Floridian moment. And in it, he, he told God, Lord, I'll give my life to you if you spare me um, from this situation. And the storm ended. Luther was fine. And he uh, made good on his end. He gave his life to God, and he did that by being a monk. And for those of you that don't know monks well, um, they do more than brew beer. Um, they actually... 
uh, go to monasteries, which are like very secluded places, uh, usually far out in a rural area, and um, they, they devote their life to seeking God. And what that typically looks like is lots of work during the day, um, like making food, like making beer, like growing uh, vegetables, growing gardens. They're t- constantly tending the land, doing work with their hands, and then they're praying nonstop, offering their souls and their conscience to God over and over again, fasting, um, many daily times of reading and prayer and reflection that they give their life to this literally some their entire life. And that's what Luther did. Um, and he did it, and he did it really, really uh, passionately. He was such a good monk that uh, he would go out in the snow and be frostbit and have no warm clothes on and have to drag him in half dead because he wanted to prove to God how devoted and how much he could stand and how much he would do for the Lord. Um, and then he also would fast for so many days that he would often become sick. Um, and he would continue to whip himself, physically harm himself as a devotion to God, which sounds weird because it is weird. Um, and we don't condone these kind of things today um, because it doesn't help you get any closer to God. It just makes your back all messed up. Um, so I'm, I'm here to tell you that uh, these things we talk about in the past, people thought were getting closer to God and they weren't. Um, they're not useful today either, but Luther was really into trying to prove how devoted and amazing he could be for God because he felt like he had to. And a big reason he felt like he had to because the church around him was telling him that he had to. The church in that time, there was no uh, Protestant church. Um, he actually was instrumental in creating it. Um, there was only the Catholic church. And what that meant is that people uh, had to go to a priest to pray for their sins to be forgiven. And if they did not, they would be sent to hell. You cannot have salvation without praying for a priest according to the Catholic Church. People also had to give what's called indulgences, and those are payments. And those payments are given uh, to yourself or to your family members to kind of speed up the process by which you go to heaven. And the idea was if you don't throw down enough money, then it'll take you longer to get into heaven or you might not go at all. And, um, yeah, if you think that's weird, it's because it is. That's super ungodly. Um, we never need money or need to pay anyone or even need to confess our sins to a priest in order to be saved. While confessing sins to someone can be very helpful, while tithing can be very helpful, it does not affect your salvation at all. So I'll make that super clear. And, uh, and Luther started to see this, this super wealthy church environment around him. I mean, Rome was, in the 1500s, when he was alive, was incredible. I mean, 60-foot ceilings and gold all around the roofs. And just like it is today, when, the, when tourists go from around the world to see it, Michelangelo's painting was being painted on the roof. Um, it was just extraordinary, expensive, lavish, amazing um, place. And the reason is because they were raking in money from all over the known world for people's sins and fear of not being saved. That's how they got there. Um, and Luther went to Rome and thought, this is not right. And when he thought that, he thought, if this is true, then I'm, I'll never be saved. I'll never be good enough. And he went into despair, and he began to do the smartest thing you can do when you go into despair, and that is open up your Bible and see what it says, actually. Amen? Amen. So if you're in despair today, of course, uh, we'd love to pray with you. Um, if you're online, same thing, we'll have someone pray with you, but... The best thing that you can do on top of that is open up your Bible and say, God, speak to me. I want to know the real truth about where I'm at. I want to know the real truth because the truth does set us free. And if you search the truth, you will find freedom if you keep searching. It works. It's true. And Luther did that, and he found freedom. And what that looked like is uh, he found a theme in the New Testament. And that theme was that you're saved by grace, not by anything that you do. 
And that theme was best explained in, uh, in these verses in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. It's all over the New Testament. If you don't believe me, go look. It's in Galatians, Romans, Corinthians, everywhere in the New Testament. But this is probably the, the most succinct uh, explanation as to what we're talking about here. And it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is a gift from God. And, and that's so important because what Luther found in this is he said, wait a second, this whole church system that wants to buy my salvation, that wants to buy my forgiveness, that wants to make me look at a certain person or pray with a certain person so that I can be assured salvation, none of that is needed. Because salvation is between me and Jesus alone. And that salvation is received by taking the free gift of his grace. Let's look at verse 9 here. Let's just make this super clear. Not as a result of works so that no one can boast. And Luther spotted all these works in his life and spot all these works in the church and said, wait a second. This isn't getting me to God. This is just getting me sad. It's so no one can boast. It's a free gift from Jesus. And we're going to really unpack that today. So this is, this is great news, and we're going to jump into it. So uh, the church's influence and power had nothing to do with salvation. How much you pray, how much you give, how much you sing, how much you do anything does not affect your salvation. I want to make that clear because the enemy lies to us about this. And if you're online, I'm talking to you as well. The enemy lies to us about this. He tells us if you can just do that thing a little bit more, then maybe you'll be closer to God. It doesn't work that way. We're close to God because Jesus died on a cross, gave us the free gift of his blood, and we got humble and said, I'll take it. I have nothing to offer you but my heart and my life, and I give it to you, and I'll take your free gifts of salvation. Amen? Amen. And that is, that is why we're able to be sons and daughters of God. That's why we're able to go to heaven when we die. And that's why we're able to have a relationship with him. So when we, when we look at that a little further, um, Luther's doctrine that he found here, which has been in the Bible the whole time, he was just brave enough to say it, um, was a very uneasy thing for the church because it meant many of their systems were not going to work. But it was also an uneasy thing for other people groups because it meant that he was going to attack them for not believing and not seeing the same way that he did. And this is where the legacy gets messy. Because as amazing as Luther's revelation was, as much as we owe our salvation to the free gift of Jesus, and Luther made that public and accessible to us, and I'm thankful for it, he was a flawed man. And that's why my next slide is Luther, a, a man of unbridled passion. And that passion led him to hatred. Because this system that was here of works and of payments and of money and of guilt and of uncertainty, he believed that the Jews were the original a cause of it. Because just like in Jesus' time, the Jews were um, asking, you know, people to give payments um, for things that they did for sacrifices. They're asking people to sacrifice animals that they made expensive because they can only buy them from um, people of the Jewish faith. Lots of things in place. And Luther blamed them for this entire issue of by grace you're not saved, by works you're saved. And because of that, this is what he did. He wrote this book, and it's called The Jews and Their Lies. And you'll see the, the graphic here. Um, that's it in German. And you'll notice that on the bottom, there's a little clown on the bottom. That's intentional. He was literally calling Jewish people clowns um, and much more. And, um, and there's no place for that kind of hate in our society today. And there's no place for that kind of hate then. There's no biblical place for that kind of hate ever. And sometimes we don't know we have hate. But it's a sin to know you have it and keep it. Amen? 
and, and Luther kept it, and it's unfortunate. And, and in this book, it talks about burning synagogues. It talks about taking money back that the Jews had earned themselves. Um, it even talks about expelling them from parts of Germany, and the government did that. In Saxony, where he lived, Jews were expelled from the province, by and large, and also the surrounding area. And it, this was such an extreme stance that there was another person who believed strongly that Jews were to blame for issues in German society, and you might know him. His name was Adolf Hitler. And he often quoted Luther and often used the same principles to set up Nazi Germany. So I say that to say that when, when we hate, it's never a small thing. When we blame a people group for something, it's never a small thing. It will come back later and create a bigger mess and a bigger tragedy. And that's exactly what happened with Luther. He thought he could do this and it was going to be okay. And it literally became a, a nation of terror for people across Europe. So if there's hate in your life, give it to Jesus. If, if there's people, group issues in your heart, give it to Jesus. Because it's going to get bigger and you don't want it. You don't want it. He's perfect love. And perfect love casts out all fear. And if we're not scared, we don't have to hate anybody. Because everyone's loved by God, right? So um, with that being said, that was the ugly part of uh, Luther's legacy. We're going to look at the useful part to us. And that's these verses, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that were up earlier. By grace through faith. That was his big idea. And it says, for by grace through faith you've been saved. Um, not that, and that not of yourself, excuse me. Um, not as a result of work so that no one can boast. And I want to look at the word grace there in verse 8. And the word grace there is a Greek word. It means charity, um, which is literally free gift. And I think it's really important that we frame grace this way. So a lot of people think grace is when I feel better, when I did something bad and God forgave me. That's actually not grace. That's actually mercy. Or grace is when I, uh, something good happens to me. No, God's just nice. He's going to let good things happen to you. Even if you're not a good person, he'll still let good things happen to you because he's nice. Because he's not vengeful. And he's not, he's not one for one and I'll get you back and, you know, I'll get my revenge on this. That's not who God is. He's very kind. Grace is... The free gift of Jesus to receive salvation and to receive transformation in our life that we cannot manufacture or make happen ourselves. Does that make sense? Okay. And, um, and, and grace in the case of salvation is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what allows grace to exist. And we're going to look at that uh, a little more concretely in Romans 5, 20 through 21 here. And it says the law came in, the law being the, the Jewish way of life, meaning you have to earn your salvation, you have to earn God. Just a, the law is a way to say it, okay? The law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. It's good news. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what that means is that, that sin reigned in death, meaning that, that when people did wrong, it causes uh, death in you emotionally, it causes death in you spiritually, and, and, and even at times it can contribute to a shorter life physically when, when we have pent-up hatred and issues in our heart. Um, but Jesus died to defeat that so that we could have a life of being forgiven by him because of that sacrifice. Does that make sense? So grace is the sacrifice of Jesus to give us a free gift we could never have without it. 
So when we talk about salvation grace, that is, that is what we are receiving. And, and, you, and as it says in verse 9, you cannot earn it so that no one can boast. And I think it's really important that we understand this, that, that there's, there's no, I can't even think better to be more saved. I can't even pray better or be nicer to people to be more saved. Nothing we can do will get us more saved. It's a free gift, and the grace in our life after that is designed to transform us more into his likeness, that we'd be kinder, that we would be gentler, that we have more peace, that we would, that we would listen to people, that we would champion the oppressed. And that, my friends, is where Luther stopped short because he understood the grace of salvation, but he did not understand that that same grace transforms him and transforms us to be better people. So he took out his revelation on the Jews. And that's where he forfeited the grace of God to change his heart, to change his actions, to change his motives. Does that make sense? And I encourage you today that if, if you already have settled in your heart, I'm saved and I know it, and I don't know what we're talking about here. Otherwise, the same grace transforms you. So we need faith in that grace so we can operate in it, so we can be the person that God called us to be. Otherwise, we'll never have it. Because in your own strength, you can never be that person. So when we look at this, um, I want to introduce my own testimony here because it says, by grace, through faith. I think those might be the two most important words in this passage, through faith. And there was a time in my life when I believed that I first demonstrated faith, and it's what brought me into salvation with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to talk about that just a little bit. Um, when I was 20 years old, I had already lived uh, kind of half in, half out of church for a long time. I saw the same kids that were celebrated at my particular church. Um, I'm not bad-mouthing any church. It's just this, this is how it was here. Um, they were celebrated for being the most well-behaved and the most spiritual and kind of the most outwardly good-looking. You know the good kids that you always had in your classes? Like, they're just, they're just so good. They just do everything right, you know? Those kind of people were really celebrated um, in my church. But I saw the same kids out with me uh, drinking, fighting, making terrible life decisions on the weekend. So I said, hmm, what's up with that? And, um, and I also talked with them, and they talked about how tormented they were and how they were afraid because they had done wrong that they would go to hell because of it. And I think this is a very real fear for many of us. And, um, and when I saw this, I was terrified also. because so I thought, well, they're, they look better than me most of the week, so I'm definitely going to hell. And that's just kind of how I felt. Um, and, I, and I thought maybe there was a God and maybe it was okay, but I just didn't know um, until one night in college when I was uh, just done with my life, done with my relationships, done with the things that were happening in my life, all the difficulties I was facing, and I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. So I opened up my Bible, and I tried to seek God. I pulled a Luther, you could say. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but, uh, but I just needed truth. I needed, I needed him. And, um, and I began to pray and seek God, and then um, at, at one point, um, Jesus appeared to me in my room. And like I'm looking at you. It was, it was an idea. It wasn't a feeling. It was a person. And it was Jesus. Um, and, and I saw him. And I will never, ever forget it. Um, but it wasn't seeing him that was important. It was what he had to say, the truth that he had to give me. That was what was most important. And um, he came to me and he said, come home to me. And I knew what he meant. Give your life to me. And I quickly began to talk about all the reasons why I was way not qualified to do that. I talk too much. I don't listen. I'm not nice to people. I drink. I, I, I kept going and going and going and going and going about all the, all the reasons that I can't um, be his. And he just listened, patiently waited for me to get done for the 10 minutes I did it. 
Um, and then he said, and then he said, I'll catch you up. And I said, what? He said, I will catch you up, meaning he, he, would, he would catch me up from all of the things put me behind in following him. That's what he offered me. Amen. And if, and if you feel like you're behind in following him today, he'll catch you up. His grace will catch you up. His grace will change your situation. Because every sin that the blood covers is dead. We sang it. It's dead. We're dead to sin. I, we got to realize that, church. We're dead to sin. You're not defined by what you did last week. You're not defined by what you did three years ago. You're not defined by the secret that no one knows about. You're dead to sin. We are dead to sin. And it is incredibly good news because our sins would overtake us otherwise. But because of Jesus, we're dead to it. And he caught me up and I received that forgiveness and I gave my life to him completely. Hallelujah. And it's been 12 years and it is the best decision I've ever made. So thank you, Jesus. But I realized what happened in that moment is that for the first time, I operate in faith. I said, wait a second, there's a God here and he's real and I'm going to believe in him. And when I did that, I came into his kingdom and I came into his grace and my life just completely got turned upside down in the best way. Um, and I want to talk about that faith a little more. And now it says, um, you know, faith is when the nature of God is greater than our thoughts, our efforts, our understanding, our influence. And I want to show you how faith and grace go together. Because it says by grace we've been saved through faith, right? So this grace we're talking about, which I see you guys, and I'm getting excited about it. The grace is amazing. And we can't have it without faith. We don't talk about faith a lot. So it's like, what's that about? Um, and that's, that's when we allow the nature of God to be greater than us, essentially. Our thoughts, our attitudes, our efforts, our understanding, our influence. Because I know before when I felt like I needed to have faith in God, I just tried to believe real hard. You know, like, oh, let me see if I can just believe better. You know what I mean? And uh, that didn't work. If, you're, if that's you right now, it's not going to work. Um, and the good news is it's not supposed to. It's designed not to work because Jesus actually gives us his faith and he is faith. When he said be created, the world was. When he said be created, you were created. You were put on this earth. When he said be born this day, you were born. That's your birthday. Like Jesus is full of faith and he is faith. We got to understand how amazingly confident Jesus is in himself. When he died on the cross, he didn't wonder if you were going to be saved. He didn't wonder if we were going to have the option to give our life to him. He knew. He knew. There's no doubt in his mind. And when he went into that tomb, he knew he was coming back in three days to be alive and be the Jesus is alive that we just sang about. He knew it. He knew it. And there was no question to him. And I believe that in this, in this time of, of our lives, we need a faith where we know things and don't have to question it anymore. And don't have to be tormented by, is this really true? Am I really saved? Am I really good enough? Am I? Yes. And Jesus wants to give us his faith so that we know. My faith is I hope. His faith is you know it's settled. And that's very different. And I don't know about you, but I want to live in that all the time. And Hebrews 11.1 1 explains this a little better. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now I want to stop on that word conviction. Um, conviction, the English and Greek of that doesn't work out that well. Kind of the way that we as Americans have 
framed it that as you're convicted of a crime, I mean, they proved you did something bad. Um, or this person's a convict, they did something bad, and now they don't have freedom because of it. You know what I mean? This is kind of how we talk about it. But that's actually not what this word originally meant. The original mean of it is to stop in tracks, meaning to stop you in your tracks. And the idea in Greek culture is if someone's convicted of a crime, that they are arrested and they're brought into trial, meaning that they can't flee and they can't go on working or doing the things they're used to doing because now they're going to be held accountable for that crime. You see how that's kind of different from what we're talking about? It's they, they, your life is stopped when you're convicted. And then it's changed. And that's exactly what we're talking about with faith. This word is used properly here. Because when, when, when Jesus' faith comes in your life, it stops you from your own efforts to you believing. And your life has changed because you become certain. You become confident. Amen? And that's the kind of faith we're talking about. It's conviction of what you can't see because God's going to do it. But he does it by giving you his faith because you can't believe it without him. So we want to live in conviction, the good kind, of our salvation. We want to live in conviction of our calling and who we are. Because these things are supposed to be certain. There's many places in the Word where it talks about something, you know, you give your heart to him and you will be saved. It says you will be saved. Because Jesus doesn't mince words. He doesn't wonder. He says it is. And that's the kind of faith that he gives us if we choose to receive it. Who wants that kind of faith today? I do. I do. There's peace when you know. And, and uh, I see this so clearly um, in a lot of areas of my life, but the moment where I'm thinking, how am I doing? How am I praying? How do I look? It's not going to go well with my faith, is it? <laughs> That's me believing. And a lot of times, uh, some of us have never known anything else. And I don't say I had to shame you at all today or condemn you at all. Even if you're online listening, not at all. What I'm saying is that there's way better. And it's Jesus' faith. And Jesus' faith is, how is Jesus doing? What is Jesus thinking? What is Jesus about to do? And we never have to ask, can he? Because if it's in his name, he can. If it's, if it's his will and his heart, he can and he will. Amen? So we, we, don't, we don't try and change our faith. We surrender it. We give it up. We lay it down and we take his. Because his faith changes everything. And I, and I believe that even if you are saved today, that Jesus has an assurance for you. Because some people aren't sure. If we're honest, we're not sure. I lived my whole, I have 20 years of life, not sure. And then when I had that encounter with him, I became sure. And it was so different. It was so different. I didn't have to fear anything. I, I didn't have to wonder how God felt about me. I, I knew I was going home to him at the end of this life, no matter what happened. I knew it. I knew it. And I believe that today it's your opportunity to know it. If you don't, and walk out of here, I'm saved. I have a destiny. I have a call. I'm important in God's eyes, and I'm going to go do it because I can, because he loves me. Amen? And this is what we're talking about when we talk about salvation because it's his grace that he gives us. And I think most of us understand that. The grace to sacrifice comes from him only. We can't do it. Luther made it obvious. The Bible makes it obvious. It comes from him only. But the faith is a part we don't understand as well. It's his faith too. Grace and faith go together, and only Jesus can give you his faith and his grace. And we have to be humble enough to take both and not try and believe or earn our own. Amen? Okay. So uh, I'm going to pray with you guys. We're going to close this thing up here.
Um, and, and what we're going to do is, uh, I'm, I'm going to have everybody stand. I just feel like in the Holy Spirit, that's what we're supposed to do. Um, and Holy Spirit's going to start turning things up in here a little bit. And, um, and faith is going to enter the room. I just feel that really strongly. I said this in first service, and I, and I do feel like God's doing it again. I see people with despair. I see him crowning you with joy. Literally puts you in a crown on your head. I see crowns going on heads right now, and he's giving people joy for the despair. Because that's what his grace does. It, it flips things upside down for good because Jesus takes over. Amen? And I see him releasing faith. If you're here today and you don't know if you've been saved or not, you don't know if that thing you did you never told anyone about disqualified you from the Lord, I just invite you to just receive this free gift of faith right now so that the grace of God can operate in your life. And I just want to speak over you that you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Whatever it is, you are forgiven. The blood of Jesus cleanses you. He died for this. And if you're online, you are forgiven. And the blood of Jesus cleanses you. He died for this. And I just invite you to receive this gift of faith that you would absolutely know whose you are from this day forward. You would absolutely know that you're loved, that you're called, that you're valuable, that Jesus was pleased to spend the life, give his life for you 2,000 years ago. He was pleased to do it. It makes him happy. And now if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we just talked about it, and I would love to invite you to do that. Doesn't mean you have to come to the front. If you're online, you can't. And if you're in here, I don't want you to. I just it means that that between you and God, I don't need to judge it or see it, or no one needs to know. Between you and God, that you right now would give him your life in exchange for his grace, would give him your fear and your doubt and your uncertainty in exchange for his perfect, confident faith. And by grace through faith that today you would be saved, not because of yourself, but because Jesus loves you and gave the price of his life. Where sin and death reigned, he created righteousness and relationship for you out of his perfect love. So right now, I just repeat this prayer after me. If, if, if that's you, you can do it silently. You can do it out loud. I don't care. Jesus, I will all do it out loud. That's even better. That's even better. And then no one has to care. Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I thank you that you sacrifice your life for mine. I thank you that your blood forgives me of every sin. The ones I knew about and the ones I didn't. And I receive the full forgiveness of all my sins now. And I thank you that your faith gives me the power to believe and know that today I'm received with love into your kingdom. I'm your son or daughter. And when this life is over, I'll go to heaven and be with you forever. <laughs> and now anyone else in here? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And if anyone lacks faith, I just encourage you to just one more time let Jesus fill you with it right now because he's so good. He's so good. Whatever you're facing, he's got the faith for it. It doesn't come from you. Amen.
I love you guys. Thank you for coming today. He's a good God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give it up for Travis if you would. Excellent word. Excellent word. Excellent word. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, whether you're online or you're in here, or maybe you rededicated yourself, you can text RLC join to uh, 97,000, and we would love to send you some free stuff to tell you all about following Jesus, just get you connected. Hallelujah. Yeah, come on, one more time. Yeah, that's good. Hey, if you are a guest today, if you're a guest today, if you would go ahead and uh, uh, text go RLC to 97,000, or you need prayer, if you're online, you need some prayer, go RLC to 97,000. We love you guys. Thank you for coming today. If you could, someone turn on the house lights so I can see who I'm talking to. Yeah, go ahead and turn on them. I just want to know. All I see is like a train coming at me with these lights. That's all I, that's all I, hey, there, hey, there's people here. Turn them all on, honey. Hey, there's people here. Hey, we love you. Listen, we love you so much. If you need stuff, if you're, if you're stuck, don't live life alone. We got life groups. We got prayer. Also, we want you to fellowship with one another. We just want you to do it outside. All right. We love you. God bless you. Give a hand to the Lord what he's done today. Have an amazing, amazing week. I'll see you in life group.